0: Praise God. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. It illuminates our paths. It breaks yokes. It lifts burdens. It exalts and encourages. It increases our faith. It brings healing for you sent your word and it healed. It brings deliverance, Heavenly Father. All that and more, we are thankful for it, we're expectant for that to happen as we share your word, listen to your word, in Jesus' name, and together we say, amen, amen, amen. Amen. The last uh, so many weeks, we have been on a journey where we've challenged ourselves over so many weeks, to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Increasingly, we understand that it is impossible to overcome in life, to fulfill God's plans and God's purposes without the Holy Spirit. Our desire is a church that is not just ankle-deep in the Holy Spirit, but that is fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. We look to the early church and we see what a church that opened up itself, submitted itself, yielded itself to the Holy Spirit could do. We see the example of how God took ordinary men and women, a lot of them with a lot of natural handicaps, and how God used them to achieve a phenomenal work as The kingdom of God spread like wildfire all around the known world. And we realize that that happened primarily because the people opened up themselves to the Holy Spirit and received into their lives the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that really is our heart's desire as a church, that we will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He will come with the fullness of the manifestation of God, the power of God to deliver, the power of God to heal. He will come to guide us, to teach us, to empower us. That's our heart's desire, and to transform us. And we look at how far we've gone on this journey, and we're grateful to God. We hear testimonies, we see examples, we know that God is definitely doing something. Um, like, 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 like the vision that Shola brought to us uh, when, we sta- when we started the sovereign move. We, were, we're, we accept we're ankle-deep, but we're desperate to go knee-deep. We're desperate for the, 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 the river of God to get waist-deep. We're desperate for it to get to our necks, and then we're desperate to swim in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And this scripture encourages me, Luke, the 11th chapter, Verses 11 to 13. It's interesting that is a scripture that Jesus brings right after his teaching on what we call the golden rule of prayer. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. He goes on to say, every, every person who asks receives. Every person who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks will have the door opened unto him. Uh, and immediately after that, he now, say, he now gives this example. And the encouragement to you and I is that we should just keep doing what we're doing. We should keep having the nights of soaking. We should keep having the upper room. We should keep pressing in. We should keep asking for more and more of God's Spirit. And the assurance from Jesus himself is that if we keep asking, we will receive. We keep seeking. We will find. We keep knocking. The door will be opened unto us into deeper realms of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He then ends that by saying this. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she had asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, How much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when His children ask Him? How do I know that you're going to swim in the Spirit? That you're going to be immersed in the Spirit? That there's going to be an outpouring of His Spirit on this church and it's going to totally transform our lives and transform this church? What's the assurance that I have? The assurance that I have is from Jesus Himself. And the example he uses is graphic. If imperfect parents can give good gifts to their children, then how much more will our Father in heaven give us the Holy Spirit's fullness when we ask him? Can someone say amen? Amen. And so we encourage ourselves to keep on asking. More nights of soaking, more upper room experiences, more prayers, more times of worship. We just keep petitioning the heavens and the fullness of the Spirit will be poured out into our lives. Amen? But when you look at what God has already done, we all have testimonies already as to how God has graciously poured His Spirit into our lives. You know, Jesus said, It's expedient, it's advantageous that I go, for if I go, then the Father will send another, another helper. Yeah? Yeah? And how many can testify that in the last two months they've received help from the Holy Spirit? How many can testify? Let's see your hands. Yeah? Amen. You know, when the Bible breaks it down to help us understand the Spirit, he says also another comforter. Yeah? How many can testify that they've been at a place where Men couldn't comfort them, but the Spirit of God comforted them. Anybody who has a testimony, let's kind of convert today into Testimony Sunday. Yeah, how many can testify that they've been at a place where they've been weak, weary, overwhelmed, and overburdened, but as they cried out to God, strength came from a place that they knew was not natural, and they are standing today simply because the spirit of God acted as their strength. Now let's see your hands. Yeah, okay. How many can? How many have been at a place where they've been lost for words in prayer, not knowing how they should pray or what they should pray for about a situation? But suddenly the spirit of God came in and actually started to make intercession for them. How many have been there? Wonderful. There's a lot of testimony today. Now testimonies today. Now how many have been at a place where? They've been lost for words. They had to explain something or had to say something. And they knew that I need an advocate to speak for me. And how many have been at a place where, as they have asked, suddenly the words have come. Suddenly they've been able to explain. How many have had the Holy Spirit be an advocate for them? Amen. And and how many know that the Holy Spirit is with them, standing by to assist them? Amen. Now, we all have those testimonies. We have testimonies about how the Holy Spirit has been a teacher, has taught us something that we know was not natural. How many have that testimony? How many have a testimony about where the Holy Spirit has brought something to your remembrance? You just knew that this wasn't natural. I I didn't know it before, but suddenly it comes in at the right time. How many can testify to that? Amen. And we can go on and on and on. How many here can testify... To the certainty of their salvation. You know, people say to you, how do you know you're saved? Well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has acted as the seal on, on our, our salvation. You, you just know in your heart that I am going to heaven. I am a child of God. If Jesus came now, it is good by earth. It is heaven I'm going to, definitely not hell. How many can say that with certainty? And that's the Holy Spirit that has brought that assurance to us. And you know, when you know these things, when you have practical examples, you can testify in your life it makes you so full of gratitude to God. It makes you so full of gratitude that God sent His Son, that His Son died for you, that His Son's death and the shedding of His blood washed away your sins, that God reconciled you to Him in the death of His Son. It makes you sometimes, when you think about what could have been, you're so grateful to God for what is. Then you realize that His Son came and did all that to bring you back into relationship with the Father. And then the Son goes and sends the Spirit. And you realize the Spirit is at work in your life. Your heart overflows with gratitude. Amen? And today is Thanksgiving Sunday. So our hearts should be full of gratitude. You know, there's a story I love, taken out of Luke's Gospel, the 7th chapter, from verse 36. Verse 36. And, and it's a story you all know uh, Because there are songs about it and, 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 and people that talk about it You've heard sermons about it It's a story about a lady You know, Jesus was invited to the house of Simon Simon was a, a religious, a Jewish religious leader and he, and he asked Jesus to come to his house for dinner And Jesus ac- accepted the invitation And so he went to Sim, Sim, Simon's house But you know, Jesus was news then. Of course, the news spread in the neighborhood that Jesus was in Simon's house having dinner. And, and so some people who were not invited came on the off chance that they might get have an encounter with Jesus, be able to see Jesus, maybe be able to hear Jesus, be able to come close to Jesus. And amongst the people who came was a woman who had a history, she had a past. Uh, she wasn't the kind of person that you wanted in your home, and suddenly. Uh, a, a Jewish religious leader Wouldn't want that kind of woman In, her, in his home For she had been a, pr- a prostitute The whole neighborhood knew That that was her trade That's how she made her, her money and her wealth But when she heard that Jesus was so close She just felt she had to go And meet him And there was just one motive on her heart One thing she had to do Because she realized that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. All these other people castigated me. All these other people shunned me. All these other people wrote me off. But Jesus gave me a chance. And I am here simply because of Jesus. And for him to be so close, and I don't get the chance to go and show my gratitude, she said it's on the head of. So she goes to Simon's house to show her gratitude. As she goes, she takes what the Bible calls an exquisite flask made from alabaster and she fills it with the most expensive perfume that you could imagine. And then she goes straight into the home of Simon. Now, of course, as she arrives, she must have caused a stir because she had a reputation. She had a past. Everybody knew the kind of woman she was. Nobody wanted to hang around with her. They wouldn't forgive her even though God had forgiven her. And so when she comes in, of course she causes a stare and she makes a beeline for Jesus and she kneels down at his feet in front of all the, the guests. She's broken, she's weeping, she's, she's just completely broken in front of Jesus. And she's broken because of the, her understanding of the love that she had received from him. It's, it's overwhelming for her to imagine that All these people shunned me. All these people wrote me off. All these people castigated me. All these people mocked me. All these people gossiped about me. All these people gave me no chance. But my Lord and Savior, you rescued me. You redeemed me. You gave me another chance. You wiped away my sins. She's so overwhelmed that she's weeping profusely before him. Her tears start to fall on him. And then with her tears falling on him, she she now takes her hair and starts to wipe his feet because her tears have fallen on his feet. Very exaggerated, you might think. Very embarrassing, you might think. And there were many there who thought so. And what made it worse was because of who the woman was, her reputation. And then over and over, she bends down and kisses Jesus' feet over and over and then with some drama she opens the flask and anoints his feet with the costly perfume that she has that she has brought and all this time all these religious leaders are watching this thing some are disgusted some are embarrassed they don't know where to look some are wondering how this woman with this reputation got in there and Simon himself is watching this thing happening in his house. His perfect dinner has been ruined by this woman who has come uninvited and has taken center stage. And he starts to think in his heart, not just bad thoughts about the woman, but also about Jesus. Because he starts to think in his mind, if Jesus was really a prophet, he should have had the discernment of the spirit to know who this woman is. And he shouldn't have allowed this woman who was sinful to touch him. And Jesus knows by the Spirit what Simon is thinking. And so he says to Simon, Simon, I have a word for you. And then Simon puts on his religious garb and says, Go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it. And Jesus begins to tell him a story. He says, A story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000. The other owed only $10,000. It was obvious that neither of them was going to be able to repay the debts. And the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. He wiped the slate clean. One minute, these were two debtors. One owed $100,000, one owed 10000 They had no way of repaying, repaying the debt. That debt was going to blight their lives. It was going to hang on their necks. It was going to be what determined their future. It was going to be the weight that they dragged around, that debt. They would go everywhere and that debt would introduce them, the debt that they owed. But then this banker who they owed this debt, kindly, graciously says, you know what? It's okay. I canceled the debt. Everything is wiped away. And then Jesus says to him, tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt for giving. Jesus said, you're right. And then he turned and began to give easily one of the most glowing testimonies that could ever be given about any human being and that, that was ever given in this Bible. He starts to talk about the woman. He says to Simon, don't you see this woman kneeling there? She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. You know, a lot of things are done with a religious gab or with, out of some religious place. And Jesus says that on that day, he is going to say to some of them, depart from me because I did not know you. Not because, that, not because they didn't go through the motions, but because the motions did not come from the right place. So here was Jesus in the home of the religious, the high and mighty, those who knew all the laws. But it takes a woman who comes from outside, who has a past that has stigmatized her, but who is appreciative that this Lord and Savior rescued her from that past to come and teach the religious people what true worship is, what extravagant worship is. The extravagance of her worship wasn't just the cost of the perfume. It was the fact that it came from a heart of someone who understood what mercy is, what forgiveness is, what compassion is, and what grace is. Someone who understood that I am at this table, I am in this house, not because of anything that I have, but simply because of the mercies of God. And he goes on to say about this woman... When I entered your home as your guest you didn't offer me you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair you didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting but from the moment I came in she has not stopped kissing my feet you didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume she has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, "All your sins are forgiven." All the dinner guests said amongst themselves, "Who is the one who is, who is this who is the one who can ever forgive sins?" Then Jesus said to the woman, "Your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave" and walk in the ways of peace. Amen. Says she's been forgiven of her many sins. This is why she has shown me extravagant love. It's just the way life is. When you see someone's worship of God, it often tells you the person's understanding of God's grace and God's mercy upon their lives. You see when you feel that God hasn't done Much or when you feel like, yeah, you know, okay, God has done a lot, but, you know, yeah, God has done it. It shows in how you worship God. Not the empty rituals, but the heart from which the worship comes. When you know that if it was not for the mercies of God, if it was not for the grace of God, if God was not a forgiving God, if the blood of Jesus didn't wipe away sins, you have no right being where you are. Your heart overflows with gratitude to God. Paul puts it like this in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. And I want to read that in the Amplified Version. Romans 12, verse 1, in the Amplified Version. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God, yeah? He says, if you want to flip it and, and say it from the other way, from the, from, the, from the end, he says, because of God's mercy on your life, God's mercies on your life, he says, I appeal to you and beg you. Amen? He's saying, because you understand grace, Because you know God's compassion, because you appreciate it, Paul says, I beg you, and I appeal to you. Amen? Now, forget about what he's appealing for, but just know that the apostle is saying, if you understand mercy, and what is mercy? Mercy is when a person deserves a penalty or a judgment, but someone who has the authority to has decided, even though you deserve it, have decided to cancel it. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is receiving favor that you don't merit. Paul says, if you understand mercies of God on your life, he says, I appeal to you and I beg of you. Amen? Now, can you do the preaching for me and say to the person next to you, I appeal to you and I beg you in in, in the light of God's mercies to you. Go on, say say to another person, you sound tired. Say, I appeal to you and I beg you in the light of God's mercies to you. Now, what is he appealing to him for? What is he appealing for? He's saying... In the light of God's mercies, when you consider God's mercies, when you remember God's mercies, when you know, you know, we can fool all the people. But believe me, the biggest fool is the one who tries to fool himself. Every one of us should be able to know. We can wear some sort of facade. We can cover up. In, in, in the Pigeon English in the, in, in the, that i spoken, you can form for everybody. Yeah, you can pretend. But what a fool if on your own bed you're pretending to yourself. Every one of us should be able to look at our lives and be able to, away from the limelight, away from the glare, between yourself and God, be able to say to God, God, you and I know. That if it was not that you were a merciful God, I should not have a tomorrow. That one we know, you and I. Then when you wear the clothes, you can come out and pretend for all of us. But what a fool who pretends for all of us and pretends for themselves. Paul says, I appeal to you, I beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, considering all the mercies of God, he says, To make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Paul says, when you understand what God has done for you, he says the only thing you can do is to decide, and I love the use of the two words, decisive dedication, that for what God has done, you know, people say to me, you know, how come you serve God? How come you're so committed to God? I say, if you know where God is bringing me from. And it's not just where He's bringing me from, like you suddenly gave your life to Christ and everything was perfect. If you know what He has brought me through, even as a Christian, we are also glad that the Spirit does not gossip. <laughs> mm, laugh at yourself. Don't laugh at me too. Because if the Spirit gossiped, the, the whole church is empty. Someone is feeling very uncomfortable now as I'm speaking, thinking, don't let the Holy Spirit gossip. But isn't it amazing that you dropped the ball, you fell, you, you, you made the mistake, you said, how, how many have been at a place where they've said to God, let's be truthful now, can we, can we be truthful? How many have been at a place where they said to God, God, if, it, if I ever do it again, God, anything you want to do, even if you want to kill me, kill me. How many have been there? Let's, let's see the hands, the truthful people. And how many? How many now found that they found themselves in the same place? But guess what? Grace extended ahead of you and waited for you to make that mistake and lifted you up. Unbelievable! This God we serve. Unbelievable, God! I'm ready to die with God to serve Him till I die. A decisive dedication. Ready to, because God is, so, you know. A God who has perfect knowledge. You know You know what they call God? They say the all-knowing God. You know how he introduces himself? He says, I'm the God who sees the end from the beginning. That means that we are getting knowledge to make decisions. God has perfect knowledge. He sees the end from the beginning. Complete knowledge. Now, this God who is all-knowing, when you... Sin, and you come to him with a genuine heart, broken and contrite by the blood of Jesus. Guess what God says? I mean, this is fascinating. He says he puts your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. So the enemy comes, the accuser of the brethren, because God wants to do something in your life. And the enemy says you can't do it because look at what she has done. Look at what he has done. Guess what happens, my God? God suddenly says, I have amnesia. I cannot remember what you say she has done. I mean, the enemy must be frustrated. But the enemy says, but on the 17th of June, she was there. Han Ade, at number 22, Dalmani Crescent. 7 p.m. God says she was. Say, I can't, I can't remember. And why can't God remember? Because she's brought it under the blood. Her heart is broken and contrite. She's received God's forgiveness and God says I've forgotten. Oh, please. This kind of God. Look at what Paul says. Put that scripture back up. He says, so present all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Holy Devoted, consecrated and well pleasing to God When we realize what God has done It makes us run deeper into God And he says this is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship I love that last sentence Because Paul is saying put aside all the religious stuff He's saying any sensible man Who is reasonable and rational If you tell them your story They are not Christians. But you tell them, this is what God did. They will say to you, that God that did this thing, go and give your life to Him." Paul says, to do it any other way is because a person is unreasonable, irrational, and unintelligent. Oh, I love Paul. Paul says, forget the whole, the, the religious part. If you just say to someone, let me tell you my life story. Then you tell your life story to the person. Paul says any reasonable, rational, or intelligent man will tell you that the God that did that for you, go and give your life as a living sacrifice to Him. Hallelujah. Say to the person next to you, go and give your life as a living sacrifice to Him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Think of your life. Just think of your life. You know, you know, you know. Your wife might not know the full details. Your husband might not know the full details. Your friends might not know the full details. Your children might not know the full details. Your parents might not know the full details. But you know, you know that this God has been merciful to you. That he has shown you such grace. He has forgiven you of of a lot. Like the woman with the alabaster box. All you owe him is extravagant worship Just extravagant worship And so she broke a physical alabaster box To pour out expensive perfume It's really a metaphor for worship It's a metaphor for bringing your heart As the alabaster box And the ointment that she poured out in a physical sense Is what Paul refers to as spiritual worship That's what Paul says it's your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship.
1: So if there's anyone here
0: who's really saying, God, they don't even know half of it. I want to give you my worship today. Go on wherever you are. Just, just start to exalt Him and worship Him. Worship Him.
1: Oh Nee, He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our possessions. It's your heart. Your heart is the sacrifice. Your heart is the oil. For a long time, God requires little of us and we can't let go of it. Break the box. Break the box. You're worth it all, Jesus. you. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can take your place. place. And I really love you, Lord. your worship in this moment is going up as a sweet smelling savour unto God
0: you. Lord, let worship be our lifestyle, heavenly Father. Let our lives be that alabaster box that is broken before you. As we thank you for your mercies, your grace, your loving kindness, the multitude of your mercies. We thank you for your compassion, your forgiveness. We thank you for your provision, your protection. We thank you for your healing, your deliverance. We thank you for the extravagant love that you, you've you shown us, oh God. We thank you for our salvation, Father, that you would leave 99 and come and search for us, that you would find us wherever we are, that you found us, oh God. And that, Father, you did everything to bring us into your family. And we thank you for that, oh God. For that love that, Father, is just overwhelming, reckless, extravagant. We say thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise. Yes, Lord. Father, this could so easily be a personal song for each one of us. What an awesome prize you paid for our lives, Heavenly Father. We bless you, God. Thank you, Lord.